You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Pets in the City turns into City Pound with Victoria Wells and Diane West. Victoria, give a shout out. Hey, how's it going? And we, what better way to start off this new City Pound show, which is going to talk to various rock and rollers, punk rockers, anyone with a passion for pets and power chords. And we're talking real rock and roll style from Victoria's living room (laughs) in Hell's Kitchen with tony barber hello how you doing all right and now tony you are a man of many talents oh, i don't know that <laughs> <laughs> apparently yeah um now you are a producer and i mean you come on you tell us what you would like everyone to know about you um producer musician probably about it i probably won't mention all the other things i'm only half good at but just those two do <laughs> Now, Tony is obviously being very, very um, shy, I guess, for some reason. You you were in the Buzzcocks. That's correct. And you are now, but mostly what you do now is you're a producer. Hopefully, yeah, as soon as the phone starts ringing. (laughs) Tell us some of the groups that that you're producing. Uh, I'm sure some of us have heard of them. Um, Producing a band from New York called Choke. And uh, we've just finished an album, which uh, we recorded in various places, Brooklyn and uh, and London. And um, we're sort of kind of setting everything up for it to be released probably around Easter time. And we've just been shooting some videos for the lead-off tracks. And then I've been working with a band in Los Angeles called Easy Image, who are very, very young. They're like uh, about 17 years of age. Wow. 
and uh, they're they're an exciting band as well. And uh, they haven't actually released anything yet, but um, I'm sure you can hear some of their stuff on MySpace. Although, if it's uh, you know that people have to bear in mind they actually haven't released anything yet so it's going to be a while before something comes out that's probably doesn't real justice you know now you were actually uh telling us uh, right before we started a little bit about um the video that you're going to do with the show can you can you describe that to us again that that was uh, come on victoria was that not precious yeah, actually, I want to say something about the choke. I've seen a lot of bands, a lot of New York bands, uh, and this is one of the most exciting bands that to see performing live, actually recorded too, but live in a long time. What attracted you to the choke? Well, I the first the first band I produced in uh, New York when I first sort of kind of started living here in about early two thousand was a band called the Napalm Stars, and I'm sure people listening to this probably know Tim Stiegel or they're aware of him. Mm-hmm. And um, we we did some recording in Brooklyn one time, and, uh, you know, the guy that was drumming for him kind of, like, struck me as a little bit weird and kind of something about him, you know. So when he was hassling me with a CD of his new band once the Napalm Stars split up, I kind of took notice and it was just him and a drum machine and some songs and I listened to it one day in the car and uh, and he was singing on it in like a falsetto voice you know and uh, the missus said to me that's terrible like you know and, and, I, and I listened to it all the way through and I said no you know this is really good I said this has definitely got something so we kept in touch and John eventually gave me a CD with them now with a female vocalist and they're kind of I said to him he said well I knew I wanted a female vocalist so I sang in like a kind of a female voice in a falsetto and uh, (laughs) so you know I I kind of kept up with them and uh, you know and and from there you know we started working together and I was kind of in with them quite early on you know we we had lots of chit chats and we'd go out and I'd come and see them play and we started recording together and I've kind of been in there with them from quite soon off, but a really, really funny twist is before I even knew them, before the choke even formed as a four-piece band when it was just Johnny and the guitar player, back a couple of years before that, I bought a, a Rickenbacker bass off of Craigslist. I answered an ad on Craigslist. I always wanted a white Rickenbacker bass like Lemmy when he was in Hawkwind and that, uh-huh. you know. And um, I show up at his house and bought this Rickenbacker bass, and then like two years later. You know, when I'm with the choke one day and the Josh, the bass player, walks in and it's the guy I bought the Rickenbacker bass off on Craigslist about two years before. <laughs> it's just that, you know, and there's such kind of weird thing about the choke, you know, like that. And, uh, you know, just the way that they met Cameron and she'd never sang in a band before, which was astounding considering now such a great front person, She was an actress. You know? Yeah. She was an actress before yeah. she was a lead singer of the choke. So Craigslist once again is the great unifier of the universe. Yeah, when you when you say actress, though, Victoria, do you mean waitress? She was a waitress before she met us. No, because everyone's yes, an actress. I know, I know. Yes. Say she had a hobby as an actress. No, because whenever we're in the LA, you know, and people always come up and like in a in a cafe or something, and they always say, like, "Oh, no, you guys are banned, right? You know, you're from England and that." And I go, "Yeah," and I go, "Like, oh, I'm an actress," and I go. 
you're not, you're bringing me some coffee, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Silly cow, like... No, I mean, not to put them down, but, you know, it was just a, well, it was a flippant joke about <laughs> the kind of, uh, you know, American culture. All right, but, Tony, aren't there people in England as well who, who are actresses and waitresses at the same time, or is that only a New York uh, kind of... There isn't any actors or actresses. We haven't got a film industry. <laughs> <laughs> you could be in a, an extra. I mean, you know... Mm-hmm. But we don't have that sort of, you know, we haven't got a Hollywood in England, really. I don't think Pinewood Studios, in the street, outside Pinewood Studios, then there might be, like, a charity shop and a supermarket. That's about it. just a little something from the band Tony and Victoria were talking about, Daniela by Night by the band The Choke. But don't go away. Stick around to find out whose number is on Tony's cell phone. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo 
en pocas. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? So, Tony, we were speaking before, and... You managed to play with a lot of people that you pretty much admired back in the day. How does that feel? That must be really freaking cool. And who are those people? (laughs) (laughs) Probably too long to list, but I mean, uh, when when I was a kid and I first got into music, you know, around the early 70s, you know, I kind of used to like all other blokes my age, you know, early 70s teenagers you know like Mark Bolan and Gary Glitter and Susie Quattro and all that and I suppose when punk came out you know by the time I got to be 14 or 15 and uh, punk came out you know probably a lot of the kind of kids that were into punk were like guys like me you know we'd had glam rock a little bit earlier then there was like a gap of two years where you kind of toyed with being like a soul boy what we called a soul boy in Mm -hmm. England you know and uh and and kind of really you were like doing it because there was nothing else to do you know or you were going to football and that and then when punk came out it gave us all a you know a thing to kind of like oh wow this is what music's meant to be like it's kind of like Slade but with orange hair you know (laughs) uh, but you know so I kind of got through that so when punk came out you know I I was buying records I was going down you know my local record shop was Small Wonder like the fantastic record shop you know I was in there like twice a week every week right till it closed and uh and you know i was buying all the records the adverts and x-ray specs and buzzcocks lurkers and 909 and eater and you know as well as all the usual you know the pistols the damned and things like that and the jam and you know just all the big bands of the day and you know i mean it's millions i mean every single record at that time i tried to buy on the day of release you know wire and you know think even things like you know, like waiting around like a year and a half for Susie and the Banshees to actually get a record deal and make a record. You know, I still remember those things, you know. So I kind of, my my getting into buying records is from that time, really. In the glam days before the Sweet and Susie Quattro, I really weren't buying a lot of records. It was more of a, you were kind of watching it and observing it and you didn't really go out dressed up like one of the Sweet when you was walking around the street or something, you know what I mean? But punk was a bit more involved and it meant like me you just went to Woolworths one day and and saved up your money from your Saturday job and bought a guitar Mm. and had a go at like trying to play it had no idea how you formed a band didn't even know which end of the guitar to plug in you know I thought you plugged it into the 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 power outlet in the wall I don't know how 
didn't try. You know what I mean? You didn't try. Yeah, but I mean, that's what people were, you know, that's how kind of it was in them days. So, you know, I was buying all those records, and then as I've basically been involved in music over the years, I've met all those people, and people whose records I bought, I say those people sounds a bit flippant, you know, but, but people that I literally used to just be standing at the Marquee Club in London or the Music Machine watching those people in front of me just going, oh, God, just imagine what in my, how great it must be to be the guitarist in 999, you know, watching, you know, just standing there in the audience and seeing all the sweat dripping off the ceiling and seeing the guys, you know, jumping up in the air and doing all the, you know, kind of, you know, all the moves and that. And, you know, when you're a teenager, that stuff, it's like just the smell of being at a gig. It was just fantastic, you know what I mean? It's amazing. So, you know, as the years as I've gone through music, I've met people and all that. And then I kind of, I suppose, by being the only guy left standing, <laughs> I end up getting called by people that over the years I go, oh, yeah, who can we get to play bass for these, like, bunch of dates we're doing? Get that guy Tony, because he's about the only person who's either, you know, not doing nothing at the moment that owns a bass and can basically play play it and kind of knows our music, you know. So I kind of ended up playing with, you know, people like uh, Alternative TV and TV Smith, and I played with Polystyrene for a little bit back in the early 90s when she was trying to put X-Ray Specs back together. Um, I've played with the Saab, UK Saabs, I've played with Chelsea, you know, I played on their last album. Oh, yeah. Been playing with them for a few years. But then I've played, like, on a lot of other kinds of stuff through, you know, through kind of being involved in, you know, certainly living in London, you know, like I I did a session with PPR on all the few years back, which was good because it was a a made-up band. So I had, like, a junior marvin from the whalers on guitar and andy bell who's now in oasis who was uh played guitar in that session and um you know and i absolutely loved the small faces so it was great to have played with pp arnold you know for who sang with the small faces and they they wrote some of her stuff you know and then from that i kind of met uh and through creation records who i did a lot of stuff with at the time with a mate of mine joe foster who was the guy that started Creation Records with Alan McGee and Ed Ball and, and uh, the other guys at Creation, you know, I kind of met the, the Creation themselves and so I ended up playing bass in the Creation, you know, pretty much for the last about 15 years as well, whenever they play, you know, we played at Randall's Island with the Stooges and uh, Bo Diddley and that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we did the Cave Stomp in right after 9/11. We played that Cave Stomp like about a month later. Was that another? Was that another little Stephen thing? Yeah, that, that was yeah. Stephen thing in, in the at Warsaw. Yeah, you know. So we've done you know a few things in America with the creation. You know, and I speak to Ed all the time. You know, and uh, so you know these people have become sort of kind of friends almost now. I mean, I've got their numbers on my mobile phone. If that counts as being a friend. <laughs> I'm sure when I'm sure when I phone them, they don't answer it.
Can you tell us a little bit about your 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 thoughts on the political scene that pre preceded both the punk of the 70s and I guess the resurgence now? I, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking, wow, you know, in the 70s, um, a lot of people say, anyway, punk was preceded by, you know, a lot of economic unrest, a lot of high unemployment, both in, in you know, in England and in here. Do you see any parallels? Well, yeah, I mean... I suppose you do see parallels, but I think as you get older, you realise that it just goes around in cycles, you know. The rich are always controlling everything, so, you know, you, they talk about now, credit crunch, economic downturn. I mean, to me, it's all just a big con in which after the, you know, the rich have kind of controlled everything, so the house prices and everything goes sky high, so that and it gets to a stage where normal the average person can't even afford to buy their first house anymore you know then what happens i think it's all deliberate they let it all collapse so you've just bought, been out and spent $800,000 on a house it collapses now it's worth $300,000 well there's no one around to buy it and and i just think you know the system's set up so that the rich benefit from that because they come along and buy your house when you're desperate and you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose everything, so they come and buy us, then they sit on that until the house prices go back up and then they sell it. So to me it's a win-win situation for, you know, not, I won't say like big businessmen or whatever, but, you know, in the, in, in the system that you've got at the moment, the poor are, are never well off because they talk about it being an economic downturn, but... The reality is, I mean, people who have just got normal jobs are no better off in an economic downturn, or no worse off in an economic downturn than they are in the so-called good times. You know, it's just a, it's just a fairy tale. It's just a, you know, a confection just thrown at the average person to make them feel that this thing, the economy, actually is a real thing. It's not. It's crap. It's basically just a huge con an up-and-down seesaw to make people think that, like, they participate in sight when they don't, you know? Well, if the new administration is looking for some honest commentary on the economy, I think Tony would be willing to have a sit-down with them, don't you think? By the way, the last song you heard was called White Flags by the group Easy Image, another band we heard Tony and Victoria talking about earlier. We'll be right back with Tony's thoughts on how the economy is affecting animals and his own ongoing work with animal welfare right here in New York and elsewhere right after this. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? When animals do get swept up in economic uh, situations like this, what, what do you think the solution is? Well, I don't know, because, I mean, you know, I'm not an expert on, on anything like that, you know what I mean? But, I, I, I mean, it's obviously, you know, everybody's got to have sympathy with people that are like, you know, they've lost their job, they might lose their home and all that. And I, I think, to be fair, you know, if someone has got an animal and they say, you know, look, it's a choice between feeding this dog and you know i don't know like feeding my kid or whatever i don't know or paying my mortgage or whatever you can't be too hard on people who have to give their dog up but it's how they give their dog up you know that's the thing and and people should make every effort to say you know if i can't have this dog don't just let it out on a blinking motorway or don't just let it out your front door never to be seen again you know, take it somewhere where someone can maybe relocate it or whatever. That's how you actually got um, CeeLo, right? Tell us a little bit about it. be honest, I, I, I don't know the exact story. I should do. <laughs> it, it's probably terrible of me to have, you know, been going out with my bird for nine years and not know exactly. <laughs> bird mean girlfriend at this point, right? And it's not sexist. Um <laughs> Um, but we used to we used to have two dogs. We had a, our other dog, Brooklyn, who we got because uh, Andrea was taking me to the airport one day to JFK to drop me off to fly back to England. And when she dropped me off on the way back to Brooklyn, she saw a skinny little dog covered in cuts and bruises running around in the street. So she stopped. She ran into a well-known fast food chain's. Uh, Restaurant in inverted commas, <laughs> and uh, and purchased uh, something that they call food, but probably only fit. No, I shouldn't really get, get done. But I'm not mentioning any names here. So if I say it was only fit for a dog, right? So that's probably doing doing about the justice that it deserves. But anyway, she did, and she enticed the dog into our van at that time, and uh, she brought the dog home, and the dog had obviously been kept you know, in some horrible situation and then escaped, you know. And uh, so, you know, she brought her home and then when I came back to New York, you know, we had a new dog and, you know, she, she you know, f- she got fit and she fattened herself up and great, you know, she was like a... She was exactly like the dog out of Oliver Twist with... Uh, with Oliver Reed, you know, like, uh, is, it, uh, is it Oliver Twist? No, what's it? What's the blinking Charles Dickens, the Christmas one? Is it, yeah, is it Oliver? Am I talking about Oliver yeah. Twist? Yeah, the one with Oliver Reed in it, like, you know, with the butcher's dog, you know, yes. like the running along. Yeah. I can never remember, I don't really bloody watch that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, that's all I, I always used to call her the butcher's dog because she mm-hmm. turned into a real fit little fighting looking dog, you know what I mean? And, uh, but CeeLo, I think came from a similar situation and for whatever reason Andrea ended up with him and um, I, I don't really know the exact circumstances but it was it was a pretty similar si- you know situation now she he was a kind of rescue like someone had been you know probably like you know that thing of like a dog's not just for Christmas you know and all that stuff and and people just let dogs go I mean certainly around where where we were living 
you know, you'd see dogs running around the street all the time, and she was forever, you know, she would turn up, and I'd hear like, put CeeLo in the back bedroom, you know, and I'd be like, oh, another dog, is it? Like, you know what I mean? Or, an, or another cat or something, you know, so... This is in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a big thing, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, So, you know, we're kind of used to it, because Andrea is like the, uh, you know, the guardian angel of all loose dogs running around in the street. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to admit, you know... I am like one of them people I just go oh god not another dog right you know because I mean must have had like you know 30 or 40 of them but she's you know she's like a proper angel like for, for the dogs you know what I mean and I have to admit you know I, I'm like one of them people like, I, I, I sort of kind of I, my sort of involvement in it really isn't that you know what I mean it's like I try to just if I have got any role in this it's to just try to sort of go right you know well if you think i'm a some sort of pop star or something if you really do believe that then i can actually say in an interview you know instead of letting your dog out on the street why don't you just phone this number or go to this website or or take your dog there i mean that'll be the most for me i've got to be honest i mean you know i I really I, i don't see it the way that my missus sees it you know she's She's much more into the physical thing of rescuing the dogs, whereas I'm sort of like, it's not laziness, it's just because I'm, you know, I just don't think in that way, you know what I mean? I don't think the way she thinks, and it's great that there's people like her out there to do all the stuff I'm too lazy to do. No, I'm just joking, it's not, it's not lazy. Hey, 
Romeo Hoff. There's another. I don't want to go. There. To the basement. You know, I wanted to ask you, what is your involvement with Glenn Matlock? Well, I met Glenn about Gordon Bennett, like probably about like over, I don't know, 20, I'm guessing about 22, 23 years ago. I was out somewhere and Glenn was there. I'm sure it was probably something Sex Pistols related. And, um, you know, and I'd never met him before, even though I'd seen him playing in The Rich Kids and, you know, The Spectres and, and other stuff that Glenn had been involved with. And... Um, I'd never met him, so I kind of hung around and introduced myself, and he said, oh, I know you, you're the guy who plays bass in Boys Wonder, which was a band I was in at the time, and uh, he said, oh, great, you know, give me a number, we, you know, we'll meet up or something, you know, and uh, one day the phone rang in my house, and uh, and it was like, oh, it's Glenn Matlock, and I was like, yeah, of course it is, like, you know, <laughs> like, and um, so I got to it to him, he said, yeah, we should meet up, and, and, and we've kind of just been... You know, I've just been mates with him since, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, he's probably the guy out of everybody I've ever met in bands and music. I've known him kind of almost the longest now, apart from my real mates going back to when I was a kid, you know, first playing music and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I love Glenn, you know, he's a, he's good fun. You know, he's had some bad, you know, he's, he's had some bad press in his time, but all of it's crap, really, you know. I mean, he is like... You know, I think uh, eventually everybody's come round to see him for what he is. You know, he's a phenomenal bass player. And when I started playing bass, you know, I I, I kind of like tried to play the bass like he played the bass because I just thought he had something about the way he played that was different to the usual thing of just someone plonking around behind a guitarist. And I tried to make my bass playing sort of kind of sound like his. Of course, I didn't realise he was trying to make his sound like Ronnie Lane. <laughs> so, uh, no, but but I love Glenn and that. And, uh, you know, before I came here a couple of weeks ago, we had a bit of a play with uh, me, Glenn, and Mark Laff from Generation X, and James Stevenson, who's the guitarist of Chelsea, who's played with the Pretenders, and, Billy, you know, Generation X also, and Billy Idol, and... Louise, big pop star in England, and uh, you know, he's played with a hell of a lot of people, and uh, they're all great blokes. We have a good laugh together, and it's just, it's just blokes playing music. And uh, you know, we might be recording uh, something soon. Uh, Glenn was talking about doing some recording upstate New York, where he was just recording with Slinky Vagabond. Yeah. Uh, who, who's in that? I know that Clum Burke's in it. He's in it. Do you know the rest of the members? Oh, Slick is the guitarist. You know, the guy yeah, yeah. from. Uh, He's more well known probably as uh, David Bowie's guitar player. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I actually really love his guitar playing on an Ian Hunter album called Overnight Angels, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love. And um, Keenan phoned me up the other day, and we nearly actually played this coming Saturday in, uh, in Jersey. Um, it was going to be like an acoustic show with me, Keenan, and, and Earl Slick, but Earl's got to. Uh, He's actually doing some recording this week, so he couldn't do the gig, so we blew it out. So that would have been great to have uh, to have played with him because, you know, it ain't every day you're going to be getting to play with people of that calibre, you know what I mean? And uh, I love everybody I play with. I, I, I'm lucky that 
I kind of get a mixture of I get to play with all people that I really love their music and then I get to meet them and they're just brilliant people uh, I don't know if it's by accident that I just only ever play with people that I love or whether it, I've somehow engineered it that way you know what I mean but yeah I'd say that's pretty lucky growing up to play on stage with the same people whose records you bought growing up with that is lucky Tony and in Tony's case it turned out to be really lucky for a lot of city animals in need too by the way the last song you heard a little different is by another band Tony's working with called Airport and the song is called Basement. Stick around to hear what Tony and Victoria are doing to continue their great work while making their great music. After that we'll send you out with one more song from another band Tony's producing called Swivel and their song number one. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? Victoria, um, you had some things as Tony. Yeah. So, Tony, you know, we know you're a huge animal lover and you've done a lot to raise funds for animal causes. Now, not so long ago, when you were with the Buzzcocks, you played at Madison Square Garden with Pearl Jam and you raised $10,000 for uh, an animal um, charity with a t-shirt that had CeeLo's image on it. Now, tell me about that. Well, I, I, I actually had never done anything with the uh, animal rescue organization or anything in New York before, but um, through the missus, you know, they came up with the idea, you know, we should maybe try to utilize the opportunity of playing at Madison Square Garden to... Uh, to do something, you know, and being a vegetarian and all that, I kind of thought, well, yeah, all right, we'll try and do something. So I approached, uh, you know, the rest of the band and said, like, you know, what about if we do a T-shirt? I eventually persuaded them, like, you know, and said, look, you're going to try and do this T-shirt. So I was like, yeah, okay, great. And um, so the missus, uh, of course, you know, we got in touch with, uh, got in touch with uh, Kelly, Pearl Jam's manager, you know, through Eddie and stuff. Um and the rest of the guys, you know, we ever cleared it with them and, you know, Pearl Jam being the blokes that they are, you know, are always open to any kind of stuff like, you know, political activism and that. 
so that it was great it, it kind of fitted in you know they they didn't mind at all so andrea designed the shirt and um stuck a picture of our dog on the front <laughs> and then the dog came to the gig as well like you know which probably didn't go down too well with a lot of people because he looks pretty vicious and uh so there was a lot of scared faces backstage when they see a big white dogo kind of like you know lumbering around and that and uh but yeah you know we did we did the shirt and uh i don't know how many they sold uh, to be perfectly honest you know my job was done kind of just getting the thing together really you know what <coughs> i mean and uh whatever they made from it I, I was just happy that you know i kind of like sneaked in there with the idea to to do it you know what i mean and uh and kind of through that, you know, I met, uh, and I guess probably while I was doing the shirt, you know, it's probably kind of got to meet Susan Brandt, you know, from the... Uh, Rational Animal, Rational yeah. Rational Animal, yeah, which the missus was working for. And then they tried to get me, you know, involved in that. But because I'm always doing stuff, I don't think I ever did a single thing for them. <laughs> but, no, actually, no, they did the, uh, the Give Me Shelter um in 2000 and i reckon about six it might have been too far yeah Do you know what i've already i've already lost <laughs> count what year it was 2006 right, right? 2006 mm-hmm. yeah and then uh and then this october too also. yeah and the, well actually the one this october I, I actually arrived in new york on the day of the gig so i couldn't make it and then through yeah through rational animal that's how i met victoria and um and I suppose, you know, there's more to come. We'll, yeah. we'll probably well, have to we figure have our, out of yeah. now, vi- doing something. And know. now Victoria's amping it up herself. That's right, yeah. We formed AMP, which is Animals, Music, and Performances, and it's an yeah, events, yeah. Uh, events planning organization. Um, but, you know, it, it's geared specifically towards concerts, you know. Does, 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 it, does it have a website? Yeah. Does it, what's, the, what's the website address? It's AMP NYS. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. I see what I'm doing. I see what you're I'm doing. doing. <laughs> you're so clever. You're so tricky. It's ampnyc.org. What are you looking at? Me? Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> looking at the shadows, I'm getting freaked I, I out. You're looking for your web address. Yeah, yeah. well, I was looking at him. That's Mark. He's he's in. Uh, he's on the board too of Amp. <laughs> so, well, tell us a little bit more about Amp. I'm sorry. Get, like, what? I mean, Tony. Obviously, you're you're very. He's on the board. You're yeah. on the board. The only amps I'm interested in are the ones you plug guitars into. I've got to be perfectly but honest. But this one, I've made an advice. exception. His yeah. advice. And Amp means terrible. So he won't be coming anymore. Will <laughs> what does Amp stand for? Animals, music, and performances. And what it is, it's an events planning organization where we have events, concerts, and we raise money for various uh, charities that are connected with the Mayor's Alliance. So they, it's either shelters, rescue group, groups, or um, animal funds. Like, say, there's one called the Picasso Fund. Uh, lots of animals. They can't afford veterinary care. I thought you say they can't afford paint or brushes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're, we support the arts for animals. But also, the other thing is, is at those kinds of events, the bands are allowed to thank the people for coming out. It's the one legitimate time that you can thank the people oh, for yeah. coming out because they're coming and they're bunging their dosh into the coffers of the charity. So that's what you'd thank them for. Okay. I guess See? so. So they're, they're not grateful that they're there 
to see the band, but grateful that they're there to support no, the no, animals. No, 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 you're getting it wrong. It's the band shouldn't be grateful for being there <laughs> right. to play for the people who have just come home from work or whatever. Right. The people who have come from work and have been toiling for the state and the system all day long now need their release at the end of the day, their entertainment. Yeah. So they should show their appreciation to the entertainers. Right. But on this occasion, the band should thank the people for coming out and giving their money to a worthy cause. Okay, so that just... There's wrong with that. Right. You know, sensible politics, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> just this one time, though. Only for charity do yeah. we thank anybody. Yeah. The rest of the time, you could go piss off, right? <laughs> Tony, what, what's coming up? Where can we see you in the choke or, or anything that you're doing in the next few months? I'll be at my local pub. <laughs> Drinking Guinness probably I every night, <laughs> every night for probably the next month and a oh. half. No, uh, I think I said that, didn't I? We shot the videos mm -hmm. on the weekend. Yeah, we done that. You right, do we done that. We're going to do more videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to try and shoot. I mean, my aim is they all think I'm mental, but uh, we I want to try and aim to shoot a video for every track on the album so that we can. I would like to when we release the album in around Easter time that we've got a double-sided disc, so it's a DVD one side and uh, a CD on the other side, but that's just my little personal thing that I want to try to kind of get off the ground. But we've got lots of different people involved on that, so we're going to have different directors on different videos, and it's all being shot in uh, the studio out in the Hamptons, in Bridgehampton, which is owned by the Misses, which is, we'll probably end up shooting some PSAs at some point, I would imagine, for the... Yeah, the and that's, that's Photo Op Studio. Is it short? Photo What's op. that again? Yeah. Photo Op Studio. Do they have a website as well? They do. I think, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Might be photoop.com, is it? I think it's photoopstudios.com. Photo <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I think it's photoopstudios.com. Okay. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, so like, you know, again, someone donating their resources, uh, the missus and her two partners, Ruth and Lucy, out in Bridgehampton. And... Uh, you know, we'll probably try and, you know, I imagine at some point we'll, we'll try and shoot some some kind of promo videos to go on YouTube to publicise events and that out there and, you know, get the choke involved in that. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, and I'll probably, uh, you know, try to even maybe put some kind of events out on out there like some parts. Because, you know, it's not just rock bands that we've got involved. You know, there's DJs and artists and all kinds of things that we've got uh, you know, access to their talents, you know, to bring into this. So it's not just going to be some punk rock circus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is the first interview I've ever done about anything to do with producing. Well, we're very, very honoured about that, Victoria. Yeah. I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah. Really, seriously. Your dog's been here many times, but yeah. you've never been here. No. No. <laughs> so that'll about do it for this episode of City Pound. Again, thanking Victoria Wells, who's going to be my steady wingman, I think, mm -hmm. wingwoman for, for this. And uh, Tony Barber, it has been more than uh, a pleasure and an honor to sit here and talk with you. Thank you very much. We'll be right back <laughs> after this short message from our sponsors.
Pets Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.